Chapter 9 of Commentary on Romans by Theodoret of Cyrus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That the incarnation of our God and Saviour both was necessary and was productive of unspeakable blessings to believers, the Holy Apostle has clearly shown, for he has proved the Jews to be obnoxious to the greater condemnation by reason of the imposition of the law, and all others to be transgressors of the law of nature, and having set forth the threat of punishment, he has subjoined the gifts of the grace in the gospel, covenant, and pointed out the salvation offered through faith, while at the same time, lest the Jews should be offended, imagining the law censured, or the heretics hostile to the ancient covenant, gain an opportunity of accusation against the law by the comparison thus instituted, he has necessarily exhibited the usefulness of the law, and honoured it with many praises. And as again the Jews, bringing forward the patriarch Abraham and the promises made by God to him, endeavoured to prove that the preaching of the apostles, being extended to the Gentiles beyond the divine promise, was contrary to these, he is constrained to treat of these objections also, and most wisely does he answer them, by adducing scripture testimonies and ancient examples, applicable to the case, and demonstrating plainly the truth of the divine promises being about then to denounce the infidelity of the jews he first displays the love he bore them and says verse one i say the truth in christ i lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the holy ghost he proves that what he was about to say should be free from all falsehood and dignified with perfect truth for he calls the grace of the holy spirit to witness with his conscience in every way persuading them not to disbelieve his account verse two that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. The composition of the sentence is incomplete, for it should have been added that the continual sorrow was caused by the rejection or infidelity of the Jews, but through caution he omits these distinct words and is content to teach in the sequel that he so meant. For thus he speaks, verse 3, For I could pray to be myself anathema from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. The word anathema has two significations. For that which is consecrated to God is called an anathema, and that which is separated from him has the same name, and this second meaning the holy apostle has taught us in the epistle to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16.22 If any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. The first being explained even by common custom, for so we designate whatever is offered to God an anathema and the god of all things himself in commanding the town of jericho to be made an anathema joshua six seventeen here then the blessed apostle uses it in its second meaning to manifest the feelings he entertained towards his brother jews and he says not i could desire but i could pray to be separated from christ provided that they who are my kindred in the flesh being united to him should reap salvation and most aptly does he introduce the even i myself recalling to their recollection what he had just before stated of his love to Christ, and, as it were, saying that I, whom neither life nor death nor things present or things to come, nor any other such creation could separate from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, would gladly be alienated from him for the sake of the salvation of the Jews. But it is evident that he speaks not this as preferring them to the Saviour, but as indicating his love and anxiety for them being most desirous that all should submit themselves and joyfully receive the saving gospel. And to persuade them of the truth of what he says, he points out both their former high descent and eminence, and the riches of the divine gifts conferred on them, and says, verse 4, Who are Israelites? 
for most celebrated was this name imposed by god himself on their forefather genesis thirty five verse ten and transmitted as an heirloom to his descendants to whom pertaineth the adoption and this name also they had obtained for israel says he is my son my firstborn exodus four twenty two and the glory for they had been illustrious through miracles and the covenants not the old only but the new also had he promised to bestow on them for i will make says he a new covenant with the house of israel not according to the covenant i made with their fathers jeremiah thirty one thirty one and thirty two but this they themselves were not willing to accept and the giving of the law for to them had he given the mosaic law and the service of god for honouring them above other nations to them he had taught the ritual ministrations of the law and the promises both those made by god to their fathers and those promulgated by the prophets verse five whose are the fathers the renowned the celebrated of whom god was called the god exodus three fifteen and then in the last place he adduces the greatest of the blessings and of whom as concerning the flesh christ came who is over all god blessed for ever amen and indeed the addition of the concerning the flesh had been enough to evidence the divinity of the lord christ yet as in the opening of the epistle having said who was of the seed of david according to the flesh he subjoined and was declared to be the son of god with power so here also after the concerning the flesh he adds who is over all god blessed for ever both exhibiting thereby the difference of the natures and teaching how just reason he had for his lamentation since while of them according to the flesh was he who was god over all they had fallen from their height and become aliens from that relationship and herein he imitates the female mourners who introduce into their funeral songs the beauty of the person and the flower of the age and the illustriousness of the ancestry and the wealth and the power of the deceased over whom they lament having then thus displayed the love he bore the jews he then begins his proposed design verse six not as though the word of god hath taken none effect i indeed says he not only could desire but could also even pray to be separated from christ if it were possible that by this separation of mine the jews should gain the blessings held out but nevertheless should they still prove gainsayers and refuse to receive salvation the promises made to the fathers would still remain true how then for they are not all israel which are of israel for god seeks not the relationship of nature but of virtue and then he teaches this yet more plainly verse seven neither because they are of the seed of abraham are they all children that is of god as he shows just below but in isaac shall thy seed be called and having thus stated the promise of god he now explains it and renders the saying clear by his exposition thereof verse eight that is not they which are the children of the flesh are the children of god but the children of the promise are counted for the seed by the children of the flesh he means those that were born after the ordinary course of nature but of the promise those that were given by grace verse nine for this is the word of promise at this time will i come and sarah shall have a son for nature having failed he was constituted a father by the divine bounty and this shows that ishmael also was a son to abraham i and his first-born son and wherefore then boastest thou o jew of being alone called the seed of abraham but if thou dost imagine that he was rejected from the relationship as being on one side a bondsman then thinkest thou not rightly for scripture is wont to calculate descent not from the mother's but the father's side and so the holy apostle might have brought forward the children sprung from keturah and shown that they also though born of a free woman 
yet were not reckoned as the seed of abraham and easy it had been for him to have pointed out the twelve sons of jacob born of different mothers four of them being bondsmen on one side and yet all called israel and receiving no injury from the slavery of their mothers but contenting himself with fewer instances all this he has omitted and beats them down by the ample evidence left for having mentioned that which had been said by god to abraham that in isaac shall thy seed be called he shows that neither were the whole of his race partakers of this blessing seeing that of his own sons the one inherited the privilege and the other failed of it for so he subjoins verse ten and not only this but when rebekah also had conceived by one even by our father isaac verse eleven for the children being not yet born neither having done any good or evil that the purpose of god according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth verse twelve it was said unto her that the elder shall serve the younger if thou thinkest says he that on account of his birth from sarah isaac was preferred before ishmael and abraham's other children whom he had by keturah what wilt thou say to the case of rebekah for here were there the same father and the same mother and the same one single conception the children being twins for this is what he means by having conceived by one that is conceived both at the same time but the one nevertheless was beloved of god and the other unworthy of the divine regard and god waited not for the evidence of events but while yet they were in the womb predicted the difference between them and he predicted it from foreknowing their dispositions for election is not arbitrary but in accordance to the disposition of men and then he adduces the testimony of the prophet malachi one three verse thirteen as it is written jacob have i loved but esau have i hated he heeds not therefore the bare descent of nature but virtue only is it that he requires for this he confirms by many instances verse fourteen what shall we say then is there unrighteousness with god god forbid the divine decision says he has nothing unjust in it but is graced with perfect equity and this indeed though having it in his power to point out and teach clearly that it is not the custom with god to pay attention to bare birth but he looks for the best disposition as well as to remind them that oftentimes they had been delivered up to many enemies without being at all spared for the sake of their forefathers seeing that they imitated not their virtue and that the whole nation had been allowed to be taken captive by the babylonians while abimelech on the other hand though a slave and an ethiopian had been saved through his piety he yet refrains from so doing as not wishing too much to cast them down but shows instead that the divine dispensations exceed the reckonings of man and while many commit iniquity yet not all are made to suffer vengeance for it for so in the wilderness the greater part worshipped for god the image of the calf yet not of all was punishment exacted but some being made to suffer others by those sufferings of theirs were reformed and so in avenging himself on pharaoh he brought by him great benefit to many and these instances accordingly the holy apostle places before them and thus he speaks verse fifteen for he saith to moses exodus thirty three ten i will have mercy on whom i will have mercy and i will have compassion on whom i will have compassion these words god spake concerning the making of the calf and it was necessary that he should mention moses's name here in order to show the trustworthiness of what he was alleging by the testimony of him who spoke and him who heard and then he draws the conclusion verse sixteen so then it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth but of god that showeth mercy and he brings not yet the resolution of all this but continues still the whole question by the addition of what follows verse seventeen for the scripture saith unto pharaoh exodus nine ten even for this same purpose have i raised thee up that i might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth 
and then again he adds as a deduction verse eighteen therefore he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth unquestionable says he are these scriptures for what i advocate is collected from thence and from thence only thou hast heard god himself declaring i will have mercy on whom i will have mercy and i will have compassion on whom i will have compassion and here's again other things spoken concerning pharaoh he passing by ishmael and the children of keturah chose isaac and he again preferred jacob to esau although both received their being at the same time in the same womb why wonderest thou then if he hath exactly so done now also and received those among you who have believed and rejected those that will not admit that light but this indeed he does not yet lay down but continues still adding to the difficulties of the subject and says verse nineteen thou wilt say then unto me why doth he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will for if he hath mercy on whom he will and whom he will he hardeneth man's disposition must depend on his will say you and if so he cannot with justice inflict punishment on the offenders for it is not possible for any to resist whatever he thinks fit having thus increased the difficulties of the subject by the variety of doubts and proposed all the objections arising from it he subjoins verse twenty nay but o man who art thou that repliest against god since thou hast asked says he who has resisted his will tell me what thou art art thou not a man how then dost thou reply against and over curiously inquirest into the divine dispensations for if thou wert not a free agent nor couldst choose by thine own free will what thou wouldst do but wert enslaved to the compulsion of the divine will thou wouldst like the inanimate creation have been silent and acquiesced in his dispensations but since thou art dignified by reason therefore it is that thou both sayest and doest what thou thyself pleasest and lovest not what has been done but inquirest into the causes of the divine dispensations shall the thing formed say to him that formed it why hast thou made me thus verse twenty one hath not the potter power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honour and another unto dishonour look at the clay of the potter which is devoid of rational discrimination it answers not against its maker but although set apart for the structure of some base vessel it receives in silence what is done but thou opposest and findest fault therefore art thou not bound by physical necessity nor transgressest against thine own inclination but voluntarily embracest vice and of thine own free choice undergoest the difficulties of virtue right therefore and just is the sentence of the god of all things since with equity does he punish sinners as daring so to act of their own will and in justice also is his loving-kindness in that when he receives from us an opportunity he extends his mercy to us some however interpret the nay but o man who art thou that repliest against god as spoken in rebuke for so say they having first chidden those who are impertinently curious about divine matters and show their meanness for man's nature differs not from the clay does he proceed to the reply and the reply is this verse twenty two what then if here we must place a stop for he means if thou art desirous to know this namely why when the majority sin some of them he punishes and some through their means he benefits and when many pursue virtue some of them he renders illustrious and to some by them sets forth the hopes of the future hear what follows god willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction verse twenty three and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory verse twenty four even us whom he hath called not of the jews only but also of the gentiles god says he 
was not the author of Pharaoh's wickedness, but exercised long-suffering towards him, as he is wont. But he conceived that long-suffering weakness, and through it increased his own obstinacy, while at the same time the governor of all things in his wisdom both justly inflicted punishment on him, and from his very wickedness drew a preventative medicine to the rest. And thus, as physicians do not themselves make vipers, but from them prepare drugs profitable to men, so God preferred that Pharaoh should not suffer punishment, but, inasmuch as he had fallen into so great brutishness, brought on him retributions of every kind, and manifested at the same time his own power to all men. Wherefore, he says, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth, foreseeing the advantage that would thence arise to others and those whom he calls vessels of wrath fitted to destruction are they who by their own free will have become so for the same thing also has he written to timothy two timothy two twenty but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honour and some to dishonour and teaching how every one becomes the one or the other of his own free will he subjoined if a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honour sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work and to the corinthians in like manner he writes one corinthians three twelve now if any man build upon this foundation gold silver precious stones wood hay stubble clearly teaching the free agency of man so here does he call those who are worthy of the divine loving-kindness vessels of mercy and the hath before prepared unto glory displays the divine foreknowledge for so had he also said before for whom he had foreknown he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son for the object of the apostle is to prove that the god of all things alone knows who are worthy of salvation while among men not a soul and having stated that he hath called us not of the jews only but also of the gentiles he confirms the representation by the testimony of scripture and says verse twenty five as he saith also in hosea chapter two verse twenty three and one verse ten i will call them my people which were not my people and her beloved which was not beloved verse twenty six and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them ye are not my people there shall they be called the children of the living God. And this God spake not of the Gentiles, but of the Jews themselves, for having commanded Hosea to marry an harlot, and indeed even an adulteress, thus did he order the children born from her to be called, the one not a people, lo ami, and the other not beloved, lo ruhama, chapter 1, verses 9 and 6, foretelling what should happen to the Jews, while at the same time he promised them good things again, that the not people should be called a people and the not beloved beloved observe therefore says he that even you have not always enjoyed the same things but at one time have been reckoned a people and then not a people and then a people again and at one time beloved and then not beloved and then beloved again nothing then improbable has taken place at present for you have been cast off in due consistency with all this but, and so, if yet you again will it, you shall be reckoned a people and beloved. For so also the Gentiles, who were not a people, now are reckoned a people. And he adduces another witness also to this account. Verse 27. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant only shall be saved. Verse 28. For a short word will the Lord make upon the earth. 
chapter 10, verses 22 and 23. Most opportunely has he brought forward this evidence to show that of old, the God of all foresaw both those who had attached themselves to the faith and those who had sunk beneath the disease of infidelity for as the jews allege that but few of them had accepted the gospel and all the rest had turned away from it as a deception he proves that all this had long ago been predicted and that although they should exceed the power of numbers in multitude and equal the sand of the sea not all but such only as were furnished with faith should obtain salvation for faith is what he calls the short word because what the law taught in many commandments while yet unable to afford complete salvation that confession in christ has accomplished while engendering faith and this is short and needs not multiplied periods being evidenced by the disposition of the heart and published by the tongue verse twenty nine and as isaiah had said before chapter one verse nine except the lord of sabaoth had left us a seed we had been as Sodom, and been made like unto Gomorrah. Those whom above he spoke of as a remnant, the same he here calls a seed, through whom the prophet declares that the Jews suffered not the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah, for they had undergone a total destruction. Having thus taught that the God of all things looks not to the mere relationship of birth, but seeks for a community of faith, he shows yet more clearly by what means the Jews had fallen from their ancestral excellence, and the Gentiles, on the other hand, had obtained salvation. Verse 30. What shall we say then? We must read this interrogatively, putting a stop here, and then what follows as the answer, that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained unto the law of righteousness no says he that faith is the cause of these blessings to the gentiles for it has rendered them meet to receive the righteousness which is of grace them who formerly wandered about in error and neither possessed nor even wished to seek after righteousness while israel on the other hand although possessing the law and following after the righteousness which is of the law hath failed of the mark and not obtained righteousness and then again interrogatively verse thirty two wherefore the reason of this says he do you desire to know because they sought it not by faith, but as if it were by the works of the law. They imagined that the living under the law was sufficient to secure righteousness to them, and they despised faith. Wherefore they neither obtained the gifts of faith, nor gained the righteousness arising from living under its covenant. And then he teaches through what cause they enjoyed not the blessings of faith. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Verse 33 as it is written, Isaiah 8.28, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling-stone and rock of offence, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. They are wont to stumble, who turn their attention elsewhere, and do not choose to look at their path. This had been the case with the Jews, for, being intent on the veriest minutiae of the law, they chose not to see the stone foretold by the prophets, although they had distinctly predicted that whosoever trusted in him should obtain the greatest blessings, for this is what he means by shall not be ashamed, such as hope and then fail in their expectations being ashamed. Having thus gently touched them, again he exhibits the feelings he entertained towards them, lest his arguments should assume the appearance of arising from hostility, for he has kept the heavier censures for the last. End of chapter 9